Hello and welcome to Sitcom Geeks. I'm James Carey. I'm Dave Cohen. And with us is our producer, Katie Story. Hello. And we are going to be talking about Edinburgh, um, the big uh, big £500 gorilla that is the Edinburgh Festival, which dominates comedy. Um, and we're not going to talk about anything else. You regular listeners will have noticed we are hopeless at A, responding to emails. We are very grateful for them. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. You can and email apologies. us. Um, on sitcomgeeks at, at e- gmail.com yep. um, for, for what good it'll do you <laughs> and uh, you can also send us the first 10 pages of your script um, for us to read and you'll have noticed that we've failed to do that regularly on air um, our last three shows were from the Landudno uh, yeah, I, th- I think we. Festival. I think you know we're, we're we're getting on a bit, me and James, and we we used up all our energies really. Yeah. I think to uh, uh, do those uh, Landidno shows, and so we're we're just kind of getting back, uh, getting getting our lives back, and yeah. we will we will read your emails, we promise, and we will start to respond to them uh, <laughs> eventually, um, probably around about August. I yes, think, it's at right. Grovelling apology over. But also, you say we're getting our lives back. Uh, Dave Cohen is absolutely shattered because he has been rehearsing and then performing mm. his Edinburgh show. I did my first uh, first show without the script last night, and um, I was um, where did you do it? At the Poetry Cafe. It's a poem. It's a stand-up poem. It's been called something like um, "Genial and Amusing," I think, by Chortle. So there you go. There you go. Um, and uh, insightful cultural history. Uh, so that's going to be. Uh, I'm going to be. Uh, Splashing that all over my publicity. Absolutely. Uh, insightful cultural history. And where are you doing that in Edinburgh? That's a very good question. Uh, is that I a think, moot point? I hope not. Yeah, it, there is. And uh, it, it's a little bit embarrassing because I uh, looked at the various venues that were on offer from uh, Laffy Horse, who run the sort of the free festival. It's just, just five days free festival. And I thought, oh, that looks really good. That's uh, right, right by the, uh, the old student uh, union, uh, sort of bang in the middle of... Uh, uh, the, the sort of area where there's loads of stuff, George Square Theatre and things. I realised I was looking at the map upside down. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, it turns out I am on the other side of the meadows. Um, right. Uh, not in a terrible place, but it's uh, it, it's, it's okay. I think it's called Monkey Cellar or something. Anyway, and it's called Music Was My First Love. Um, and uh, this preamble is basically uh, to say we are going to be talking about the Edinburgh Festival. I, I've been kind of going up there man and boy on and off since uh, for, for about kind of 35 years now. Um, and therefore it's worth saying that yeah. um, between us, between me, uh, Dave and Katie, who has been producing or... Uh, Helping with various. What have you been doing at Edinburgh Fringe the last few years? Uh, producing shows with an agency. Yeah. Yeah. For the past mm-hmm. three. Yeah. So last year, yeah, one was, yours, yeah, one was yours, yeah. yes. <laughs> but last year you were producing how many different shows? Like seventeen. Seventeen yeah. shows. Okay. A mere seventeen yeah. different yeah. shows. Yes, that's right. Who Whereas David, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so there's a fair amount of Edinburgh air miles under our belts mm-hmm. yeah. here. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully we can make some uh, some use of this time talking about Edinburgh. So. The thing to be to start off about is uh, maybe you've not you, you've not planned to do Edinburgh anything like that, but our first thing to say to you is it is well worth your while going to Edinburgh and witnessing this extraordinary comedy festival. If, why why uh, is that? Why would you say that's worth doing? Uh, because uh, and and I'm the first time I went was 1977 and I went for for four days and um, you just it, it's just 
the most amazing thing. It was really was a kind of life-changing moment, I think. You just see comedy. You see all the comedy that is out there. And it doesn't matter if you're a writer or a performer or a writer-performer. You're seeing, uh, you're seeing performers. You're seeing written comedy. And you're seeing it uh, at every level. You're, you're bumping into stuff written by people who are at your level. They've never mm. written anything before. Uh, and if you're lucky and you can afford it, you're buying tickets to see Sarah Millican mm. or somebody who's who's a, like a massive star and who, like so many of the sort of British comedy stars, started out yeah. uh, like we all did. Somebody who isn't Sarah Millican yet. Basically. Yes, exactly. Mm. Uh, and, and um, I mean, it is astonishing the how... Uh, the whole uh, of the whole sort of comedy world uh, is sort of pervaded by people. Uh, Edinburgh is is sort of in the blood of really mm. kind of every uh, comedian and writer. I'd say really pretty. It's much. like a comedy hadge, isn't it? <laughs> it's like everybody turning up. Yeah, and it's sort of life threatening as well. In yeah. some times, and you know, you it's, do. It's not quite. I wouldn't say it's quite as dangerous uh, as, <laughs> as that can be. But yeah, the uh, hatch has got a yeah, it, although it? it is, um, you know, certainly. Um, it's um, possible to overdo it on the uh, drinking stakes yeah. when you're out up there. Um, it's worth also worth saying before we go any further that um, uh, Dave's extensive experience in Edinburgh, he has written about very, very uh, convincingly and amusingly in his book, <laughs> How you. to Be Averagely Successful <laughs> in Comedy. If you want the full gamut of emotions that you go through in Edinburgh, You've written about them quite a lot in that book. Yeah, yes, it is. Uh, it, it, you, you do go through incredible sort of highs and lows. I can imagine actually for Katie that doing however many shows a day you were doing, you well, maybe you almost sort of didn't have time for that. But did you did you experience those sort of uh, emotional roller coasters? Yeah, you have the highs, and uh, for example, like um, Lazy Susan. Um, they were up in the Pleasants, and they were on the Free Fringe before that. It was their first year in the Pleasants. And they just, not struggling for audiences, but I remember seeing that show so many times. It was amazing. It blew me away and thinking, why aren't more people seeing this? And then they got nominated, like word of mouth. And mm. then they got nominated for the Fosters. And it was such an amazing moment. So I remember like crying in the office and us having champagne. And then you've got your, you know, you're standing mm. in mm. the underbelly meadows at one in the morning, just crying. Yeah. <laughs> just for another reason, just because yeah. you're tired. In fact, so, didn't, yeah. didn't you get someone to record you crying <laughs> so that, yeah. and then play it back to you? When I said I'd go up to the fringe again. Yeah. I'm going up to the fringe again. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 I mean, it's almost, I mean, the fringe is almost a mental illness. Yeah. Um, that we all keep going back there. And, mm. it, and even, if we, even if you're not there, you feel you should be. Anyway, we're slightly drifting. Yeah. Um, so, Edinburgh, what we're trying to establish is the fact that Edinburgh is where comedians are, where writers are, where actors are, where producers are, where development producers are, where executives are. They all pile up for the last uh, bank holiday weekend mm -hmm. for the TV festival. It's where comedy is happening. So if you're thinking about comedy, if you love comedy, if you like writing comedy, go to Edinburgh and watch a bunch of comedy. You'll be able to watch five shows in a day if you really want to. You can probably watch eight in a day. What's your maximum mm -hmm. shows you've ever seen in a day, Katie? I think maybe seven. Wow. Is that yeah. too many? No, not for me. Yes, maybe, maybe too I many. I think it yeah. is. If I, you start yeah. early yeah. and finish late, that's probably that's probably one too many, isn't it? Yeah. If you pace yourself, if you go up, I, I, I would recommend you sort of try and go up for like three or four days. Ideally, not at the beginning and not at the end, but not and, and kind of just before the middle is the perfect time to go up because people are starting to know which are the good word of mouth shows, but they're not selling out yet. So you'll get a chance to see a show that's going to be very successful. Um, but also, 
there, are, there is so much free stuff to go to now, which is great, but uh, doesn't necessarily mean you don't pay any money. But um, it, it, it does help keep the costs down, try and, try and uh, have a variety of shows to see. But um, I think that's, a, that's probably the best time, and it's not absolutely heaving packed yeah. in that kind of period. The, say the week before the bank holiday and maybe just before that as well yeah. you've got a kind of window of about 10 days of yeah of going to see stuff so um so going up as a performer um you want to be booking up accommodation sorry going up as a, as a as a punter just to watch you want to be thinking now about accommodation booking train fares if you want it to be vaguely affordable you want to be thinking now about who you could stay with alternatively if, if you have a long lost distant relative auntie anything like that Mm. then make full use of them, stay with them, anything other than paying huge amounts of money to stay uh, in, a, in, a, in an average hotel or yeah. uh, in a terrible youth hostel or anything like that. I just mean, find somebody's floor. Find um, somebody's floor. I suggested um, camping, actually. Uh, yes, you mentioned this the other James day, James and I was, I was, my jaw was on the floor. <laughs> horrified at the idea. But, uh, but I think he possibly could if you were... If you were a punter going to watch stuff, or you were doing a very short run, mm. but for me, and again, it's what you need to do when you're thinking about going to Edinburgh for any length of time, especially if you are performing, and especially performing for the whole month, you do need to know thyself and what you <laughs> need to get through that time. Yeah. And if you're the sort of person that needs sleep, that is worth spending money on, and therefore I would, I would urge you not to do camping unless, mm. partic- unless you particularly sleep well under canvas presumably several miles from edinburgh have you have you camped i haven't but i remember people were camping at a place and it was just a kind of bus ride out uh, down sort of nicholson street and uh it's about about sort of four miles out um and that was a kind of reasonable seemed to be a a reasonable thing to do when we were in our 20s um but if that's you then that's fine lucky you uh but that that wouldn't be me The the, um, the other thing is worth worth saying as well is don't you know don't necessarily sort of go up and plan what you're going to see that there is a fringe program which is absolutely heaving packed with ideas of shows to go and see I mean you could come and see music was my first love at Monkey Cellar twenty fourth to the twenty eighth of August if you want one fifteen. Um, alternatively, it's a great thing to do is to is to just sort of sit in a cafe and uh, look around you and you will see other people uh, looking at um, diaries and looking at the sort of fringe diary and things and say oh start conversations with them hello uh, what have you seen and what would you recommend and it is amazing the number of um, shows where people go along to see something because a stranger has said to them oh we really like that you know Mm -hmm. so so don't 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 over plan I think yeah yeah I think that's a good uh, it's a very good good thoughts to you know make it so book a couple of things especially if you have a favorite if there's a comedian you really like and they're on somewhere where you can book tickets rather than doing the free fringe you can book that and that would be worth doing but it's definitely worth factoring in being surprised by something picking up something on word of mouth mm. um, i would definitely do that yeah so that's so that's in terms of that's visiting the fringe um maybe if you're doing a show, you're thinking about doing a show, I think slightly different rules uh, mm. apply. We've talked about budget and campsites and stuff. We've also talked about pacing yourself and, and drinking. Um, I would add to that, don't also maybe drink too much coffee. It'd be yeah. very easy for you to OD on mm. coffee if that's your if that's your thing. The, but then I think the next bits of advice very much um, revolve around um, 
getting your mindset right for your show mm. and what to expect. Um, because, you know, it's so easy to get lost in the th literally hundreds of shows. You know, th there must be, it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger every year. How many different comedy shows are there now? Six, seven, eight hundred different shows yeah, running for between, a, you know, running from mm. between two nights to the whole, the whole yeah. fringe. So every five minutes, a new show is starting. Every, every, you know, every five minutes, probably three shows are starting. Mm. Um, so how do you stand out from, from those shows? Yeah, if you are thinking of going to Edinburgh, and I'm pretty sure if you're interested in writing comedy and you go uh, out of curiosity to see what the festival is like, I, I can pretty well guarantee that you'll say, right, I'm coming up here next year. I don't know how, I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, but I will come and do something, and and especially because yeah. you've just seen a show where you just think, oh blimey, if that's if that's the standard, yeah. I could manage that. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, but but you do need to manage your expectations. It's a sort of there is there is an element of lottery to it in that you will probably go up there and suddenly somebody who you've never heard of is um, kind of suddenly the talk of the town and you sort of go up there thinking maybe just maybe this might be this thing that I do might become really successful yeah. uh, it won't um, so yeah statistically bear, bear very unlikely to be yeah, yeah. and bear in mind that the um, just just for reference if you're listening and you can hear some thudding noises yeah. that's that's not your iPhone or your listening device, that's some work going on somewhere, mm. which frankly could be going on during your Edinburgh show because you are in a venue next yes, to another one. Uh, I'm sure you've done numerous venues where yeah. you've had overspill in your show. Can you yes. think of anywhere? Uh, well, my favourite one was uh, a band called um, Corky and the Juice Pigs, who uh, a man called Phil Nickel actually, you know, is very, very uh, successful, very good comic. Before he did that, he was in a group, uh, a very loud. Uh, Canadian uh, three-piece band mm. called Corky and the Juice Pigs, who were on at the same time as I was doing my uh, kind of meaningful one-man show, um, which was a play at that point as well. I think. I'm so, sorry to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so was I. Yeah. And uh, you would occasionally get that kind of uh, kind of what we're hearing now, the yeah. sort of thud thud, and and also you the, you hear the the sound of hundreds of people laughing at somebody like, else's show, yeah, someone else's show, while you're. Uh, pouring your heart out to three people and yeah. a dog yeah. uh, in a, a huge church hall yeah. somewhere. So, so over, overspill is yeah. quite normal, so we're going to embrace that. We're not going to worry about it. Um, so I think in one sense, there are so many things in Edinburgh that you have no control over. For example, the size of it, the scale of it, what gets noticed and what doesn't, as it were. The only things that you have control over is your show. So the best way of having people come and see your show is to actually have a good show. Mm. And I think it's, and in one sense, it's not particularly good advice because nobody's trying to have a bad show. But there's a sense in which if your show is really, really, really good, it will get an audience sooner or later. People will start to find out about it and you will start to get a little bit of recognition. If from no one else other than fellow performers or anything like that, um... I mean, there aren't that many, Katie, I mean, you've been Edinburgh recently, mm. most recently. There aren't that many truly brilliant shows that have been completely ignored for the whole fringe, would you say? 
No, no, I definitely, I definitely think there are a lot of other factors. It's not yeah. a direct meritocracy, but definitely, if you've got a really good show, people will hear about it. Yeah, yeah, and and it may not sell out as well as you'd hoped it has or something, but it will start to get noticed. Yeah. So that when you come back the following year, people know that you're the person that did the show that was criminally overlooked last year. I think, and I, th- I think what's probably more realistic if you're starting out, and whether it's uh, a show that you've written or, or you're a performer or a writer performer, is uh, it's really worth thinking about um, the fact that you're going to be doing the show every day, and that that really is uh, a, a, a way that you learn uh, to get very good at something. If you accept that you're going up uh, this year not to win the whatever the equivalent of the uh, Perrier Award now is, or uh, you're not going with it's any Perrier and old money. That's, yes. what, that's what we know it as. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. the Edinburgh Comedy Award, um, yeah. Fosters. Fosters. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. you're not gonna you're not gonna uh, be nominated for that so uh, don't don't even think about that but think about okay I've got this show and I, um, I'm gonna tell the actors or if you are the actor be prepared for this situation uh, I will see what happens each day and on day on Monday we'll do the show and obviously you can't do massive changes if you've got sort of actors learning oh. lines and things but if you can try different ways of doing things and I think you will find that by the time you get to the uh, to the end of the run uh, you you could have like a show that is actually a, a pretty good show you're still not getting audiences and it's depressing and it's uh, miserable and you meet some, a friend who says oh it's amazing my show's going really well I've just got a million people came in to see it mm. and you go oh, yeah oh, that's good I'm really happy for you through gritted teeth um so, you just just go with that in mind. Is that that, that that's really the that, that that's what how yeah. that's how the good stand ups become the great stand ups. Is they go up somebody like uh, Steve Coogan went up and Frank Skinner. They went up with uh, very good shows, and then they did it every day, and it got better. And and each day the show got a bit better, and yeah. they got a bit better as performers. And that's. By the end of the run, they were kind of that, yeah. that's it. They were ready to break out. So it's a so it is a real mindset thing, and it is very easy to get sucked into the Edinburgh wanting to be discovered, wanting to be famous thing. But actually, you you need to approach it in a much more professional way. In that, it needs to be: how do I improve? How do I get better? How do I use the fact that I'm doing twenty six shows in a row in front of people who are not directly related to me or work in my office? Or don't know me personally that's a really big thing for lots of people this is the first genuine audience they will play to mm. you know you might have only 15 or 20 people come and see your show some days if you're you doing wish. well yeah but um, that's the only upside of a really big cast is you have lots of people giving out flyers um, but you're playing it in front of total strangers mm. um, and therefore it is worth thinking um, about how your show is going to evolve, how you can improve, because you're now doing the show in front of people who sort of don't care whether you're funny or not. Mm. You know, they're not trying to be nice, they're, they're a genuine audience. So therefore, for example, every day just changing something a little bit to see if it improves it is a worthwhile thing doing. I mean, it'll take you a week just to get into the rhythm of the thing anyway. Um, that's After a week in, you'll realise your show really isn't as good as you thought it was. And that you're not going to win any awards, and that people, and that a show that you actively dislike is going to do much better than you, and there's nothing you can do about it. But actually, 
you know, winning, getting noticed, all that kind of stuff is not the aim. The aim is to improve as a comedian, as a writer. But also, I would say a very important thing is to get to know other performers and writers and find people who do things that you like, that you can learn from, find people that do things that you like, that you can work with in the future, would be interested in collaborating in the future, find people that do stuff that you're no good at, that you can work with in the future. Um, it's just a, it's, it, in one sense, I think, you know, stand-ups particularly find this, that they associate like school year groups. Mm. When was your first Edinburgh? Oh, so so-and-so is sort of my era of comedian and we've sort of gone up through and they've gone faster than me, but I've done more of this sort of thing or whatever. Those sort of comedy friendships and alliances and stuff, I think are really important. Mm. And they, they're kind of what sustain you over the next 11 months yeah. before the next one. So it's a question of not just improving yourself, but improving your contacts, improving your your understanding of the comedy world, getting to know people and getting people to know you and what you do. Um, so I think that those those are the ways to to sort of approach Edinburgh so that it doesn't sort of psychologically drive you mad. Yeah, and I, I, this, listening to James and actually even listen, uh, uh, listening to myself and listening to Katie, actually, I really wish I'd had that advice. I, I, probably there was that advice around at the time, but I really wish I'd listened to the advice. And I do think that a lot of the mistakes that I made in Edinburgh were that I just had the wrong attitude, the wrong approach. Mm. I, 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 some years I had shows that didn't go as well as other years. And I, the, this, this advice that I'm giving is the, the advice that I never took. The idea that the idea that you can improve a show once you're there. Mm. Uh, I probably uh, two or three times went up and the show was kind of okay, but not very good. And I probably just thought, oh, well, that's it. And I can't really, uh, I've, I've blown it. I'm just going to have to... Mm grit my teeth for the next three weeks and, and do this show. I didn't have the, uh, the sort of professional understanding. I didn't have the, 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 the knowledge and, uh, um, and the foresight to think, well, actually, I just instead of going out and getting drunk, mm. why don't I stay in tonight and actually go, look through the show and work out what to do? Because um, you'll never uh, get, because it's yeah. so hard to get an audience like this outside of Edinburgh mm. that you want to make the most of it. I mean... Don't get me wrong, I didn't have any sense of perspective when I was doing Edinburgh either. I think I did Edinburgh in 96, 97, 99, 2000, 2001, uh, and maybe 2002 or three or something, I can't remember. And then more recently, what year did we... 2013. 2013. So I've sort of done about seven Edinburgh shows. It was only when I did one three years ago with a play um, called The God Particle, which I knew full well would be completely ignored by critics... Available because, from uh, Kickstarter. Yeah, well, yeah, well, that's, that's, just, just, yes. that's all finished, but go oh, to thegodparticleplayer.com and you'll find more information. Mm -hmm. But the point is, I, I already knew what I was trying to get out of it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and the, I wanted it to be, you know, there were various things I was doing, and actually how famous or well-reviewed the show would be, I, I was already fine that that wasn't going to be part of the positive outcomes from mm -hmm. Edinburgh. I know I'm talking like a management consultant. I don't mean to... But unfortunately, if you if you do let Edinburgh, I mean, it is like this horrendous drug, isn't it? That mm. you that just sort of sucks you in and then spits you out, yeah. and therefore you've sort of <laughs> got to work out some way of mastering it. Otherwise, it will destroy you. Um, I think that's a fair way of, uh, fair way of explaining uh, it. Really. Yeah. So um, we could talk about reviews as well. Um, obviously, yes. how how do you feel about reviews? Both of you actually. 
Uh-huh. Katie, I mean, you've 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 been. How do you view reviews as a producer? Um, that they're really useful. That you want the stars on the posters, anything above a four, you want on there. You want quotes. You want to put flashes on the flyers. Mm. Um, and some acts preferred not to read theirs, and that was fine. But as a producer, you're absolutely reading them all. Yeah, yeah. totally. Mm. So reviews are something that you that you literally are things that you can use to push mm. the show. To yeah. push the show, there's sort of. On the one hand, yes, good reviews are very useful. Um, uh, bad reviews, generally, unless you're lucky enough, uh, as I was when I was a student, and I got uh, what I was told by the then director of the Fringe was the third worst review ever in the history of Scotsman reviews. Um, wow, and, that uh, makes me so want to see that show. <laughs> and it was well, t- to be fair, the guy who reviewed it didn't really get it. It, it was a sort of it was a joke. Uh, music show, a spoof punk show, and he, he didn't really know what punk was, so uh, he was the gardening correspondent of the, the Scotsman. Um, so, right. I actually, <laughs> yeah, I went from this kind of, uh, and we talked about this kind of roller coaster of, of emotions, but I, I went from nine o'clock in the morning um, reading this terrible, terrible review, which I can probably almost remember from about 36 years ago. Um, and uh, you carry it around in your wallet like uh, Eric Morecambe did. <laughs> I didn't. The TV I, is the box they buried Morecambe and Wise in. Oh right, yeah. He never forgot that. No, I should have. I should have done really. But but probably the reason I didn't was because uh, the show was on at lunchtime, and so then I I arrived at the theatre um, to find literally people queuing round the block to come and see the show because most uh, the Scotsman prints hundreds of reviews every day. And so um, they go from five star to one star. So it's kind of, if they print five star, you sort of think, oh, well, that's that's probably already sold out. I can't go to that one now. Two to four star, they're all kind of much of a muchness. But then you see a one star. And, you know, people people love writing one star reviews. So they, they get a chance and to be really... And people slow down for traffic accidents. Yeah. So they want to now see exactly. the thing. And, and actually the people who got from this... Uh, terrible, terrible review that actually, well, this is a comedy show about punk. They actually came to see it and they loved it. And it was the show, it was uh, it was this review that's how, you know, what on earth is this trying to be funny about punk rock music, you know? Um, and so I got, you know, the, the so this is your wrong. Pixar moment. Yeah. Your lowest low to the highest high. Exactly. You, you, you were true to yourself. Within about three hours, I managed to go from, the, from you know, really from feeling absolutely despairing up, up to kind of total elation really and um yeah sold out for the rest of the run and that was down to that one star review that's right so, so the next best yeah. thing to a five star review is a one star review um in fact yeah. you can also make all these things work for you and i think it was um i want to say andrew watts uh he did a on his poster he put or at least on one bit of publicity he put five stars four stars three stars two stars one star he just showed that you know this is <laughs> In one sense, he used the variety of stars to say, you're going to really have to come and make yeah, up your own mind, yeah, yeah. Um, which mm. is another good way of doing it. So I yeah. think there are lots of creative ways. The only thing to add to it really is, I think, not to take these reviews personally, which mm. I think it's very easy to do. Yeah. This not th- least because <laughs> the, the standard of Edinburgh reviews mm. are consistently awful. Um, so incredibly unprofessional. Varied, I think. Lots of people who have no experience and, that, yeah. and they, they mistake critiquing a show for saying whether they liked it or not. Yeah. Um, you know, 
and that, that, that experience you have of a gardening correspondent writing a review about a show about punk and not understanding it, that still happens mm. where people are completely clueless. Yeah. Um, I think it's slightly changing. I've, the, uh, Liam Malone has been doing a thing with Fringe Pig, which is sort of slightly holding reviewers to uh, higher standards of accounting. And I believe this year will actually be a physical publication which will be sort of lampooning terrible reviewing. Right. So I think okay. reviewers have realised they have to slightly raise their game <laughs> because now they are as much under the spotlight. Now they are as being the reviewed. Yes, yes. exactly. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So wheels um, within wheels. So I, I think I, okay. I think there is some sort of sense of karma in all this. Right. Yeah. But um, even so, uh, just just to go back to what you were hmm. saying, sorry about about not taking it personally, uh, and it is very hard because they're saying, uh, for instance, if you are a performer as well. Uh, I watched Dave Cohen and he was a load of shit or whatever mm. and you sort of think oh right okay but I mustn't take this personally yeah. <laughs> this guy has just basically you know kind of destroyed everything that I believe mm. in and think about my, myself And um, but it is not personal mm. and that 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 is, you know, it, it's it's one person's opinion of you, and that my, in fact, the, the best, my favourite review that, that that I got was one year when I was getting some very very good reviews. Was this, the you always remember the one bad review, and this, <laughs> this the bad review said, you know, everyone else in the room were, was laughing, and uh, but I couldn't understand why. Why were they laughing at this? I didn't find it funny at all, and so it was actually even by being a bad review, it was like a yeah, it was just a sort of quite a nice yeah, yeah. nice review. A um, couple of other yeah. things before we uh, wrap this up. Um, one is to say that, except that there will also be many miserable hours spent publicising your show, there are 23 hours in the day when you are not doing your show when you could realistically be promoting it. And in one sense, there's no, there's no way around that. If you've got no credits and no reviews, no nothing, you are just going to have to hit the streets for as long as you can manage, two, three, four, five hours, and, and try give and, out try flyers. And, try and think of some imaginative ways to do that as well, because most people are unimaginative when they're mm. handing out leaflets. Um, so you can either be one of the unimaginative ones, or you can try something slightly different, yeah. and you know you will get noticed. And in fact, I, I used to get a lot of people coming to my shows because I had a sort of a kind of anti-leaflet way of giving out yeah. leaflets for my show. Um, and the, and that, that personal connection mm. will account for really large amounts of your audience. If you actually yeah. have a conversation with someone, mm. they are, you know, really 100% more likely to come yeah. mm-hmm. than they would be if you just handed them a flyer, which is why yeah. paying people to hand out flyers for you, I don't think is a terribly effective no. use of money, and I, mm. I probably wouldn't do it unless you're so famous and stuff that the, the flyer sells itself, as it were. Yeah. Um have also do take breaks and you're lucky though I, mean, I guess one of the reasons why the, the festival is so su- successful and has continually successful is because Edinburgh is such a stunning amazing place and you can go out and, 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 and about and do nice things and go for really interesting walks and climb up Arthur's seat and all these sorts of things yeah. that you can do to get away from the festival and uh, get a little bit healthy and just see really amazing things. Yeah. And, and you need to and you and need stuff. to schedule that. You need to make sure that's in mm. your diary to do that and to what maybe one day not do your flowering but go to the botanical gardens instead or Portobello Beach or yeah. go up Arthur's Seat or something and just. Would you say that, Katie, having been there most recently, you kind of have to make yourself. Yeah. Did you ever manage has, to get away? I've been up. No. No, I haven't either. And I've, I've yeah. 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 Um, I don't yeah, do that it takes walking. some time off, definitely. Yeah. But 
people, so I love the same situation. But yeah, yeah. for normal people, yeah. Yeah, for <laughs> normal people. Um, but yeah, you need to kind of um, factor factor that in. Um, so that is the the fickle and cruel mistress that is the Edinburgh Fringe. There is there is much more else to be said. I'm sure there might be. I, I would. I really do recommend um, uh, Dave's book on this because I think it really does capture the the experience of that how to be averagely successful in comedy. Um, there are bits and pieces on my blog on the Sitcom Geek blog. Um, as well that you can uh, look at too um, also I mentioned Dave's book my book is called Writing That Sitcom and uh, all the usual things apply what would be nice if you like this podcast is to go onto iTunes and leave us a review that would be nice yep. mm-hmm. um, and you could follow us on Facebook yep. and thank you for all the nice things you've been saying to us on Facebook as well we do appreciate we them. do appreciate we're that sorry we do not reply to all of your uh, but we're trying to earn a living here, yeah. and believe it or not, this podcast is not part of us earning a living. Yeah. <laughs> um, great. Any other any other notes, no, queries? Well, I think we're all done um, here. We're, yeah, we're great. Okay. All that we really want to say is to say thank you for listening, and speak to you next time. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.